2: week's episode of Biz Talks. I'm Kim Singletary, Managing Editor of Biz New Orleans Magazine, and today I'm excited to talk about space.
0: We have two guests on the program today. The first is Robert Champion. He has been Director of the Michoud Assembly Facility in New Orleans since June of 2019. In this role, Champion oversees one of the world's largest manufacturing facilities where important elements of NASA's Space Launch System and Orion spacecraft are built. Prior to this role, Champion served in multiple capacities at the Marshall Space Flight Center in Huntsville, Alabama, most recently as Deputy Director of the Propulsion Systems Department. Champion has received several of NASA's highest awards, including the NASA Exceptional Achievement Medal, the NASA Medal for Exceptional Service, Space Flight Awareness Honoree, Director's Commendation, and the NASA Contracting Officer's Technical Representative of the Year.
2: How did they fit that all on on a (laughs) plaque? We're not sure. Um, So next guest we have is John Bailey, and he is the Associate Director of the Stennis Space Center near Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. As well as managing Stennis along with the center director, John is responsible for coordinating all of NASA's rocket propulsion testing capabilities and Stennis' role in NASA's science and technology programs. He joined Stennis in 1999, but before that, he spent many years as a civil service employee, including 10 years with the Department of Defense as a communications engineer and with the United States Air Force. So welcome both of you. John and Robert,
3: thank you glad you have us thank you
2: yeah
1: thanks for uh, inviting us
2: so we um we have a lot going on in this region and it has a, a big impact on our economy which is why I wanted to talk to both of you guys so I thought maybe we could start out um we'll start out close to home we'll start out with Robert can you tell us a little bit uh, about Mishad about it started in around World War II?
3: Correct. Uh, the facility is, is out here in New Orleans East in uh, the shoe assembly facility and it started in uh, like 1941 I think it was. It's was built to, to support it. Um, it went through several uh, um, iterations between then and now but NASA took it over in 1961 and since then we've built uh, the core stage for the Saturn V rocket. We built the external tank for the shuttle launch system and now we're building the uh, the core stage as well as the Orion crew capsule for the uh, Artemis program, um, where we're going to take the next the first woman and the next man back to the moon. Since, and uh, we're very excited about that. But uh, Michoud does have a, a large impact on the on the environment and the area around here. Um, we employ some support more than 5,000 jobs nationally out of the out of the organization. We've got uh, about 3,100 um, employees on site. We are a multi-tenant facility we have about 24 different companies that work on site but primarily we're here to build the rocket we have boeing is building the the core stage for the rocket which is the center the center part of the rocket and we have orion uh, lockheed building the orion capsule in addition to them we also have the u.s coast guard has a has one of their uh, bases here and the usda their national finance center Um, has about 1,100 employees that work on site, and of course now with COVID most of them are teleworking, but we have other companies too. We have uh, Textron is out here as well as uh, LM Wind Power, and most recently we have uh, completed, or Entergy has completed construction of a solar farm, um, a 100-acre solar farm put into place. So a lot going on out here, but then I I get back to the point, the reason we're here is to build the rocket, and uh, we're well on our way there, and to that point, we've uh, we completed uh, Boeing completed the assembly of core stage one back in January, and that has been shipped over to my friend John Bailey at Stennis, and they're they're going to be testing it. So we pretty much build the rockets on this side, and and they they test the rockets over there. So that's a, a short introduction of our of what our facility does, but uh, we're very excited to have be able to talk with you about it. And I find out more and more um, how how little people realize that uh, what. Michoud does here in New Orleans East, but I will tell everybody that you don't get to space. NASA doesn't get to space without going through New Orleans, so we're proud of what we do.
2: And then, so, John, you're, like you said, you kind of, they make the rockets, you guys test them. Um, So tell me a little bit about Stennis. How long has Stennis been around, and and what's kind of your footprint?
1: Okay, glad to. Uh, Yeah, Stennis Space Center was purpose-built back in the early 60s. Um, and we were built to test the uh, rockets that actually took the first humans to the moon. So we've been testing rocket engines for many, many years. Um, We test both rocket stages, which Robert mentioned earlier, you know, over math, they've built the uh, core stage and they've sent it over here. That's like when you, if you remember back in the Apollo days, you saw the rocket on the launch pad. It's, It's like the whole center of that piece of the rocket, you know, the tanks and the engines. So we'll be testing that here pretty soon for the Artemis program. We also test uh, individual rocket engines. We test rocket engine components. Um, we test for both uh, government agencies, our own rocket engines, both government agencies, Air Force, commercial companies, and we've been doing that for many, many years. And we're, you know, we were purpose built for that, you know, it being um, located with the 125,000 acre buffer zone around the facility. That's important because that helps us be able to test those rocket engines you know, 24-7, uh, 365 without disturbing the uh, communities too much, even though lots of times when we test people, hear the rocket engines many, many miles away. But uh, that buffer zone is extremely important to us. Now, Stennis, we have about a little over 5,000 people come through the site on a regular basis. Um, we're made up of Many other federal agencies, commercial companies, university universities, academia. Um, so we're kind of a really unique federal city in that standpoint. Um, we we run the facility, NASA does, and we have many tenants to us here. So we're really kind of a very unique place to work. And and like Robert mentioned, you know we have a fantastic partnership with Math. They build them, they ship them over here via barge. We unload them, put them in our stands, test them. And then ship them down to the Cape to uh, launch and we're excited.
2: Are there people that
1: live in New Orleans that work at Stennis? Uh, Yeah, there are. We have about, our our workforce is about a third in Louisiana, about a third along the Mississippi coast, and about a third north of the site in Pearl River County. So yeah, we draw quite a few employees from the uh, New Orleans Slidell area.
2: And you guys, so it's a huge, I, I saw oceanography.
1: He's a huge area for that. Yeah, actually, the Navy has a very large presence here on Stennis. They're actually probably the largest uh, group of at least government employees, civil servant employees on the site. And directly across the street from our main headquarters building is uh, NAVO, which actually is the largest concentration of uh, oceanographers in the world right here on Stennis Space Center. That's amazing.
2: That's something I, I never knew. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes. Very unique and very important to us. I mean, these these tenants, you know, they help. It's a really, really exciting model, in my opinion, for the federal government because we all share in the cost. You know, they have their missions to to go do. We have ours. And by having us here together, we share in the common infrastructure. So we both get a, you know, really good deal from an economic standpoint of being co-located. Robert and them have the same kind of thing going on with Michoud.
3: Yeah, we do. We 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 offset our cost a, a significant amount as well. You know, we have the main facility, which is the 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 rocket factory. It's about 43 acres, 2.2 million square feet under one roof that is just there to build the rocket. But there's a lot of other facilities that go along with it. You have the 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 steam, the the chilled the chilled water, the the protection system around it. We have the levee system, the pumps, a lot of other systems that go into maintaining the site. And with the other tenants on site we can help offset our cost by sharing that cost across all the tenants i will say um, um, coast guard for instance was one that came out post katrina because during katrina we were able to keep the um the levee protected us and our pumps kept the water from from flooding us and so we were able to be dry and continue to operate during that time and after that the coast guard which had been downtown looked at uh, moving out here and they've established one of their bases here um we have um, as, as mentioned about the employees I think about 65% of ours live on the south side of the Lake Pontchartrain, and about the rest are on the north side, some of them into Bay St. Louis. We have a few people that travel from Bay St. Louis and Picayune, but uh, a lot of uh, the rest of them live in uh, Slidell and around the mandible and, and around that area. So generally in this area, we have uh, um, pretty about, you know, most all of our people live within a 50, 60 mile radius or closer. So
1: yeah.
3: So how big is Stennis?
1: Yeah, so we uh, from a from a personnel standpoint, I think I mentioned a little while ago, a few minutes ago, about a little over five thousand people come on site. Right. Um, we have a, like I said, from a land perspective, we have a hundred and twenty-five thousand acre buffer zone, and okay. kind of think of it like a donut. Right in the center of that, it's about fourteen thousand acres, okay. and in that center area is where all of our administration buildings are and all of our test facilities. Okay.
3: And we've got about 830 acres total site over here in New Orleans East.
1: Okay. And in reality, at Stennis, there's two really main, you know, I talked a lot about rocket propulsion testing. and We have some technology development organizations, but also on Stennis, we have NASA's Shared Service Center, which is a, um, it's really like a headquarters organization that's in, for the entire agency, it's where they have a lot of shared services, contract management, financial um, processing uh human capital a lot of those kind of things it is a shared service concept for the concept for the entire agency
2: okay so what so because this literally is rocket science um what what is going on at each of your facilities right now you kind of talked a little bit about it at the beginning but in in as basic terms as you can make it <laughs> for people who aren't scientists what, what is s- happening right now
3: I'll start off with with math about what we're doing. The uh, the rocket has several major parts. Um if you if you're familiar with the the shuttle system, you the the white kind of candlesticks on the side are the solid rocket boosters. The center part was the LOX tank if you would and the hydrogen tank, basically the main propulsion. We are building that center part if you would, the big the what used to be the the main orange part, but the difference here between what was on shuttle versus now that is the entire brains of the rocket. It's the propellant, it's the engines, it's the avionics, it's the flight control system. It's basically the brains of the rocket. So it is by far the largest part of the rocket and the backbone of the of the, of the of the, of the rocket system. That also um, on the very front is where the Orion crew capsule is. That's where the crew rides on top of this rocket. So we're building those two major parts here at Michoud and the core stage, I'll call it, that's the core stage. It consists of, of five major parts. It has the engine section, which has the, the, the SSME, the RS-25, rocket engines. Those are the same engines that we used on the shuttle program. We've modified them now to, to work with this. And whereas the shuttle used three of them, we have four on the engine section. Then we have the hydrogen tank and we have the LOX tank. Those are the two main propellants that actually feed those engines. And then on top of that, we have the forward skirt section, which is where all the brains are housed, all the computers and all that, and then the inner tank section that brings all that together. And so that whole rocket is about 212 feet long. Um, I forget how many, uh, many thousands of gallons of, um, of liquid propellant. It's got it. something like, I want to say, what's the number, 750,000 gallons. I think the total, I might be off on that, but it's, um, but the whole rocket, we build 212 feet of it here. The whole rocket when it's said and done is about 322 feet tall with everything on top of it. So the, um, by far we. Between us and Stennis, we have the the, the lion share of the construction going on. Now, the boosters are similar boosters that we used with the shuttle, but we did add another segment because of the higher thrust. This total rocket now is 8.8 million pounds of thrust. That's 15% more than what we had with Saturn, which was which previously was the largest rocket ever launched. So that is a huge rocket, and it's the and we need that thrust to get to the moon and get and get our astronauts to the moon and payload to the moon and bring them back. The boosters are manufactured out at Utah by uh, um, Northrop Grumman. The um, the engines, the SSMEs, are manufactured by Aerojet, um, uh, which is the company that builds those. And then, uh, like I said, Lockheed builds the crew capsule. So those various aerospace primes are who come together working for NASA and working with NASA to deliver this rocket down to Kennedy, where it's then launched. So how
2: long have you guys been working on that?
3: Oh goodness, it started out is the Ares program and it transitioned to the Artemis program. We've been working Artemis probably, I don't know, John, five, seven years now. As, yep. as Artemis. Yeah.
2: And that's to create this rocket. Yes. So was, okay. Mm-hmm. And then, um. OK, I'll switch over to Stennis.
1: <laughs> so like Robert said, you know, we currently have that core stage installed in one of our test stands, the B2 test stand. So um, like Robert said, just think of it. It's 212 feet tall, roughly. Okay. It's about 30 foot in diameter, give or take a few feet. It's got four huge rocket engines on the bottom of it. Two big fuel tanks stacked on top of each other. And Robert's right. The LH tank, I think, holds a little over 500,000 gallons of liquid hydrogen. And then the LOX tank, I think, a couple of hundred thousand gallons of LOX. So we have that in our test stand now, standing up. Uh, vertically, and we're going to fire all four engines at one time, creating about 2 million pounds of thrust. So just think about how large the facility has to be to hold that rocket down while we're testing it. And in order to do that, we have to have probably some of the most unique capabilities in the nation. We have to be able to pump hundreds of thousands of gallons of water to the flame- uh, deflector when that rocket goes off to keep it from melting the steel. Um, you know we have high-speed data acquisition systems collecting video and data so that the um, folks who design the rocket can analyze it and make sure it's performing like it's supposed to. So that's a big, huge event that's coming up is testing that core stage and getting it ready. Now, in addition to that, you know, I mentioned that the core stage, like Robert said, has four of those. Um, RS-25 rocket engines on it. We also test those rocket engines individually here. On one of our other test stands, we're testing the RS-25 engine and Aerojet Rocketdyne, who is actually also here on site, they assemble that engine here at Stennis Space Center and we test it and then those things eventually get mated onto the rocket like Robert mentioned the core stage was tested here and then we'll ship it down to Kennedy so that it can be integrated with the rest of the vehicle and send the first female and the and the next male back to the moon so when, turn- is, when is this testing um so right now we're shooting for near the end of the calendar year it's what we're hoping for um as with any development you know we're working through uh, issues and right now we're currently on schedule for the sometime mid to late December okay so yeah we got we're trying to get it ready right now the schedule has the uh first artemis launch in 2024 to get the uh well the first to get the uh first female and the next male back to the moon in 2024 hopefully the next artemis launch will be next year late next year at some point so okay the- i'm
2: confused at the difference between that so the the flight to the moon will be in 2024 and you said the artemis launch? what's
1: what's that so the- Go ahead, John so Artemis one which will be this vehicle that's actually here in the uh, test stand now being tested once we finish testing it here we'll ship it down to the Cape and it'll get integrated with the rest of the um, the vehicle and that launch is scheduled for uh, roughly a year from the time that it leaves here and gets down to the Cape so sometime late next year is when we're hoping for the uh, uh, Artemis one launch
2: and Artemis one is that just is that kind of like a test? for
3: for what comes in 2024 yes. yeah go ahead robert i'm going to say uh the, f- there's three main launches we're planning for right now the first one is just a test unmanned test that goes out and goes around the moon and comes back one of the things with this is the we're we're testing new systems the heat shield and, and things we're testing, we're going farther than we've ever gone in space before with, with a vehicle of this kind. And when it comes back in, it's coming back in faster. So we want to test systems and make sure everything's working properly before we put man on it. The next test will be that we'll have, uh, we'll have astronauts on the vehicle. We'll actually go out and circumnavigate the moon and then come back and, and land. The third test, Artemis III, will be when we actually take humans to the moon and land on the moon. And that will be in 2024 so yes we've got a very ambitious schedule between now and 2024 to get all three of these missions done now at math we have we have built artemis one the core stage that's been shipped to stennis as we talked about artemis two the core stage is being built now we've got all the hardware for it those five pieces the engine section locks tank hydrogen tank forward skirt inner tank section we've got all those built and now they're actually finishing the the outfitting of that structure. You have to put the plumbing and the wiring and all of that on it, and then we assemble those. We expect to have Artemis II assembled here uh, in short order, and then we've already started on Artemis III, building the components of Artemis III. So we're running right down the road, building the next one after the next one. And so Boeing is is um, doing a great job of bring of improving each vehicle as they build it. You know you. You, you learn more from the first one and you add that into the second one so the schedule gets shorter. So we're well on our way to building Artemis 3 over here and, and then we'll um, complete our mission and going through 2024. And that's kind of the, the, the initial test phase of the vehicle, getting those first three Artemises launched and delivered and, and safely returning humans back to Earth after being on the moon. And so then we'll go into more of a production mode after that. But yes, we're, we're concentrating right now on the first three missions.
2: So you talked about an ambitious schedule, but we've had obviously uh, plans for a lot of people have been derailed this <laughs> year, um, and um, also, I mean, not only just COVID, but all the hurricanes, the active season that we've had—it's been kind of a mess. How has that has that affected you guys, and how, if so, how?
3: Well, I'll tell you for us, um, NASA has various stages with the COVID response and uh, they're they're kind of parallel what the, the, the president's plan was as far as, you know, um, restrictions and stuff. For a while, we were um, almost shut down, uh, except for um, uh, um, uh, critical and critical crew to keep systems working. Uh, we have come back from that now. Um, we have gone back to a what we call a stage three. And that allows people to be working. We are still um, socially distancing. We're wearing masks. We're washing our hands. We're doing um, COVID tracing, um, contact tracing, if when we have any outbreaks. And I'll say, to date, we have been very, um, very compliant. Uh, our, our our employees have been very conscientious about it, and we have not had a COVID case that that has spread on site. Obviously, we've had a, a number of employees that have ha- have had COVID and recovered from it, but we haven't spread it on site. So. Um, when we find out we have a case, we immediately uh, quarantine that person and other persons that might be uh, exposed. We do some additional cleaning of that site, and then uh, you know we we return to return to work. But uh, we've been very, uh, uh, I'd say very just very conscious and very deliberate in our approach to Covid. That said, we um, we have delivered on the on the Artemis One uh, delivery that we had. We are making our milestones on Artemis Two. I know John and his guys are continuing to make progress on the on the testing, and in spite of COVID, I will say, we have uh, we have uh, barely slipped a week in the schedule. Is what I what I'm understanding. Now, as far as the hurricanes, yeah, we've had a good run of those this year. We've uh, <laughs> let's see, we've prepared for seven, we've shut down for six, and been hit by one. <laughs> so, so uh, we are, uh, we're working through cleanup right now. We did have some damage to some of our roofs and uh, we're working through that and getting the, getting the system uh, back, back waterproof, but we had no damage to flight hardware, which was great. We had no injury to personnel. And uh, thank goodness, uh, m- m- almost all of our employees, I know of one that, that uh, lost their house, but uh, most of the employees were limited to uh, um, limbs on houses and that sort of thing, no major house damage except for one. So. We've been blessed in that regard.
1: Yeah, and, um, uh, Robert uh, Robert's right. You know, especially on from the COVID front, um, you know, we were one of the first hotspots in the country. When you when you think back to the beginning of this, and both math and Stennis, you know, we um, we were dealing with positive cases in the surrounding community. Well, before a lot of the other centers actually were having to deal with it and. Um, I credit, you know, I give NASA a lot of credit. One, you know, they came out really quick with um, procedures and processes on how we need to deal with it. And we, as a center, put in very, you know, uh, numerous different processes on how to handle uh, contact tracing when someone was identified. You know, we have very, we have safe at work protocols, and we've been, like Robert said, very fortunate that um, we've been able to continue our mission critical work. Um, We've um, we've actually also piloted some things for the agency, like I know Robert and them are doing that now. We're actually piloting some uh, a Fitbit kind of device, where it kind of monitors some of your uh, symptoms. To hopefully, if someone starts coming down with symptoms, we can get way out in front of it and get them the uh, the help they need, and also make sure that we get the contact tracing done so we don't have any spread on site. And uh, Robert mentioned the same thing earlier. You know, we've really had no outbreaks on site. We've been very, um, very uh, cautious about how we separate our crews when working, keeping people on separate shifts when we can, keeping them socially distanced, folks wear masks in our common areas here, um, and we've got a lot of people on site, even though we were doing just mission critical work, you know, we're probably have at this point in time, oh, probably 2,500 people that still come on site every day, um, so we still have a lot of folks out here, and, um, uh, kudos to the folks that's been working our safe at work protocols and making sure we get our job done safely. And like Robert said, we haven't missed a milestone. <laughs> um, it, you know, the agency, we were prepared as we could be. Um, we, we, when we left, you know, when we left back in March, I think most of us thought, you know, a couple of weeks and we'll be back to, you yeah. know, back to normal. Wow. But, you know, having tools like this teams and being able to do a lot of our uh, work remotely has been just is worked out fantastic. So we've been really blessed from that standpoint. Um, Same thing with Robert (laughs) whenever basically whenever they deal with a hurricane, we deal with the exact same thing (laughs) close together. Um, We've managed through them. They cause hiccups, but we just kind of keep pushing forward. Um, the last one uh, like Robert mentioned uh, we have, we've had some roof damage and we're assessing that damage now and be working with the agency to get some of that stuff taken care of.
2: So NASA as a whole, like how does how does Stennis and Misha fit into that that organization? I, what, what other parts? I know like Houston is a big area for it. Florida has it. How, how does this all work?
1: So. So I, I'll start out a little bit with Stennis here. Um, and I'll talk about kind of how we fit in, right? Um, we test rocket engines. That's primarily what we do for the agency. Uh, Marshall, where Roberts, and it's something I think that's interesting here. We ought to clarify. A lot of people think that math and stennis kind of are, I'm not going to say one organizations, but, you know, math could be part of stennis or vice versa. People tend to think that because we're so close, but actually math uh, Michoud is part of Marshall Space Flight Center in Huntsville. Right, yeah. So, um, so you know, basically, and Robert can talk a little bit more about Marshall here in a minute, but, you know, Marshall basically designs rockets and rocket engines. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they they design, they're the design center. We test. Um, Kennedy launches. Houston is, you know, mission control. That's how you kind of think of it. We have mm-hmm. our aero centers. We have our science centers. So we all kind of have our unique Uh, capability but in the same sense we all you know we all have to work together in order for us to accomplish this grand mission of exploring the universe and you know uh, doing the science that we do so we all have a critical part to play but our main role is the testing of the rocket engines here at stennis Mm and
3: as john said marshall's main role has been building over the over the um, history has been building rockets um, and designing rockets Uh, We have uh, other aspects, too, where we do some science missions. We're also um, large into some of the the grander science missions, Chandra and Hubble and those sort of things. But by and far, Marshall's mainly uh, largely known about the the rocket um, development that we've done. I would say, too, to to John's point, you know, we mentioned Kennedy, um, Stennis. Marshall and Johnson; those are the four manned space flight centers, and we've always worked very closely together. Then you have the aerospace side and you have the science side of NASA. So there's kind of various aspects, but these four centers have always worked very closely together to bring together the rockets, starting all the way back with Saturn and with Shuttle and with a uh, and now with Artemis. So and so all all four are very heavily engaged. Yes, and I would say too, you know, as as we said. Um, Marshall and Stennis probably have had one of the closer working relationships among all the centers because it is so very intricate with the rockets. You have to test them. You have to, you know, and our engineers are constantly down at Stennis working to see how the rocket's being tested. You got to test it to find out where changes need to be made, if there's improvements that you still or things you missed. And so um, that is one of the reasons we're testing this rocket is to make sure we test it on the ground before we fly it. We want to know how it's going to perform before we go put humans on it. So. It's a very close relationship, and we even share um, um, contractors as, as such. Uh, we uh, here about uh, five years ago, we we went in with, with Stennis and, and we agreed to have a, a shared services contract where we have our facility functions that a lot of our facilities um, operations that are done here are done by the same contractor that's done at Stennis. And so we did that to share cost and save money for the government. So it's worked out very well, too.
2: So i grew up learning um hearing the term space race um
1: mm-hmm.
2: and you know as us against the russians and all of that so what what's the status now i mean we we've, we've you know
3: the, well you know we not so much a space race i think there there are by far more countries that are interested in space and are launching in space now so there you know there is still a push for for us to for as the u.s to be the premier space, um, agency and the space, um, organization, but we also have a lot more, um, homegrown space, uh, agency space organizations. Now you're familiar, I'm sure with SpaceX and blue origin and others that are building their own rocket and are doing commercial launches. Boeing is actually doing a commercial launch as well. And you know, that is a very much a positive thing, um, for the nation as a whole. You know, for a long time, it's only been NASA that builds rockets and the Air Force, too, building unmanned rockets. But it's only been NASA building manned rockets. Now we have um, U.S. companies that are building manned rockets to go back and forth to space station. And, uh, you know, NASA as a whole, we absolutely embrace that. I think it's uh, um, I kind of liken it to uh, back in the early 1900s when when airplanes were being built you know you had the government first building airplanes and testing them, and you had folks companies working to do that well it wasn't long until companies realized they could they could make this their own self and and, uh, there's a business model there we're in that phase now where the SpaceX's and Blue Origins are realizing yes there is a business model there that can sustain this now granted right now NASA and the military are still the main customers for a lot of these launch vehicles but It's fast quickly improving that uh, that companies want to launch their own satellites. There's a lot more um, opportunity for uh, for utilization of space and uh, for communications and and uh, research and things like that. And the space station itself is getting much more commercialized where we're doing much more research on space station. So I think we're we're in a very dynamic and exciting time as far as um, space utilization, if you would, whether it be our country or other countries as well. And um, and we are looking toward new policies for the use of the moon. You know, there's uh, been more uh, work on collaboration on the moon, and more countries coming into that. So, I think as we've as we've shown through uh, the shuttle program, especially, and then the development of the international space station, that uh, that we have a uh, NASA has a unique position as an ambassador, if you would, to help bring other countries together and help us. Share resources, collaborate, and um, and share the the benefits of the science and the and the and the uh, breakthroughs that we learn. So, um, not so much a space race, but just a, a competition to just get out there and learn more.
2: You know. So the the next the next big trip, the moon. What does that mean to NASA?
3: Well, um, really go
2: ahead there. there.
1: <laughs> I think it's incredibly one one is really exciting because. Um, I can barely remember when we landed on the moon the first time. Um, so this will be really the first time and you know since I can remember, and it's super exciting. Um, I think it's extremely important because I've always um, thought it would be it's really important for us to get back to the moon and actually spend time there, actually prove that we can live and survive there. You know, work, like Robert mentioned, you know, we test rockets on the ground because we want to test them before we launch them, right? We want to learn all about it. Well, same kind of thing on the moon. You know, we need to go there, stay there for longer durations, understand how to do in situ uh, resource utilization on the moon, advance our technologies. Um, a lot of things can be learned by going to the moon before we try to go to Mars or uh, explore other Planets in the solar system at some point in time, right? So I think it's extremely important for us to go back to the moon. Um, there's a lot that can be learned there. And Robert's right, you know, um, it, it's an international partnership. It's not just the US going back to the moon. It's not about a planting a flag. It's really about uh, us coming together. It's not just our nation, but many other nations, and actually figuring out how to actually live somewhere other than on the Earth, right? I mean, we've been in the space station for quite some time, And uh, we've proven and learned a lot. And now this is just the next step, I think, in that uh, grand mission of actually eventually getting to Mars. And we're going to learn a lot by going back to the moon. Um, I think it's really important.
2: And when we do that, that rocket will have been made and tested here in our own backyard.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Yeah.
2: That's pretty cool. Um, well i think that's a perfect place to end but if you guys have any final thoughts um you're welcome to to share
3: i'll just give a couple of numbers you know we talk about the impact in that we have in the community and some of the numbers we have you know we support more than 5,000 jobs nationally um with yielding a a total impact here is about 875 million dollars in contracts all over the all over the u.s um Contract, we contract more than ninety two million dollars in services at Missu, and other government agencies con- contribute another thirty nine million dollars. That's the the usda and the and the coast Guards. Um, we generate about one hundred million dollars in federal, state and local um, revenues. And uh, you know here locally though in the Mississippi, Louisiana area, we support about thirty six hundred jobs between Louisiana and Mississippi and uh, the the output just here in local contracts is about five hundred and fifty four million dollars. So we have nearly ninety six percent of our contracts are basically sourced within Louisiana. So a lot of this money that we're doing here stays here. Our engineers that are here, the Lockheed and the Boeing employees, live here, and they've uh, they've worked here for a number of years. so so this is a you know a uh, high-end engineering jobs and uh, highly skilled engineering jobs and a highly skilled um, technician jobs that are here to build these. These tools, we're using advanced techniques with, uh, with friction stir welding, with high-end uh, electronics, and those all those jobs are very skilled and well-paying. So, the the impact of NASA in the area between Mississippi and Louisiana is is uh, widely felt in the community and the other um, organizations around us, as well as the the governments and local uh, local cities. So there's yeah. a,
2: lot of, a lot of industries when, when we get to workforce development say okay we're struggling is that is that an issue at nasa are you are you finding the people that you need in this region
3: it is it i will say in the new orleans east area it's a it's still you know even 15 years later still suffering some from katrina in the the business area so yes it is hard to recruit um but we are working on ways uh boeing locally has started a uh internship program with uh with a um, nunez community college right right across the here in chalmette where they have a a program that's a two-year program to train interns to become on and be highly skilled electricians that work directly with Boeing. And so we're working with also UNO and LSU through some of our other programs to help um, promote engineering serve engineering classes that help learn and utilize these advanced techniques. So we're working with the local community to help bring the engineering base here to New Orleans, and that's part of one of the things that that is a big challenge for us is to grow local engineering people and to bring people into the area to help fill these jobs so they're uh, they're in high demand and and, uh, we're always looking for more people to to seek out and and fill these high-end engineering jobs
1: yeah and we um you know the same thing for us at stennis you know we we obviously recruit nationally but a lot of our engineers and technicians they come from the local area and the local communities you know we have about a um about an $850 million global impact. And out of that, about 570 million is within a 50 mile radius. So between Mishu and Stennis, you know, we're huge economic drivers for this region. And um, you know, another thing too, I wanted to point out from an agency perspective, you know, NASA released this economic um, impact study for 2019. And if you look at a pie chart, You can't even see NASA's budget on that pie chart. It's such a small sliver of the federal government's budget. But out of that, that, in 2019, the budget was somewhere around, let's see if I remember correctly, about $21.5 billion. They generated more than $64 billion in economic impact. So for about every dollar that's spent on NASA from a federal perspective, we generate three dollars you know in the in the national economy which is huge i mean that's it's just amazing what the agency does people always get a kick out of it you know nasa for being such really a small agency from a dollar perspective we have a tremendous amount of public awareness people know who we are from a branding standpoint but we're such a very very small sliver but we take that small sliver and it makes a huge economic impact across the country
3: I'll put a number on that. We're one half of one percent of right. the nation's budget. <laughs> one half of one wow. percent. So less than half a penny of every dollar goes to NASA. Yep. You know, it's a, it's a really a, a small amount of money for a big bang on the buck. Uh, we talk about you know um, why NASA? Why do we explore? Sometimes. Well, we all enjoy our this little uh, our little handheld devices that have GPS on them and have the um, computer chips and all that stuff gps and all that stuff was driven by the need to explore we needed to find ways to do these things and that's what nasa's always done is go out and we got an idea but you have no way knowing how to do it and you go off and you figure it out and you engineer that and you develop those things and we we bring those things to reality that, uh, that basically we couldn't do before um, a lot of uh, medical techniques and things that uh, x-rays and other things and some of the uh, the ct scanning and some of those things were were techniques that were developed through NASA grants and, and and need that have now come to fruition. So it's it's, um, it's a it's um, i you know I I've worked with NASA my entire career and I'm very proud of it um, that uh, that what NASA does and what it brings back to the to the uh, to the nation in, in the in the term of return on investment. So um, very positive uh, I think what we do. So. Well,
2: and I, I remember well. I wasn't alive but in the 60s with the with the landing on the moon what a what a monumental time that was for the country and, and that everyone gathered together and it was like a time of hope and looking at the future and being you know positive and and i think god we need that now <laughs> more than anything so um so i'm very excited to talk to both of you guys and, and to know that um that we've got all these fun things coming up in the future and i'm assuming we will know when you guys go to do the big test at the end of the year
1: yes you will know um you'll, you'll probably hear it I'm not <laughs> sure. yeah, if, you're, if you're within about probably 75 or 100 miles you may hear it Yep, that's <laughs> okay, true.
2: Okay, so you're going to give us a heads up so we don't yeah. think the world's ending
3: exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah i'll just say you know it, it's we we read about history but we're not reading about it now we're making it i mean this is this is our generation's chance to to make that stretch and to go go back to the moon, and it's just uh, it's really exciting.
2: Wonderful. Well, I really appreciate both of your times. I know you guys are super busy hitting those deadlines, and um, I really appreciate it. I think I think our listeners will really enjoy this because, like you said, it's right in our it's in our own backyard, and there's yeah. so much that we just don't know about it. Um, I think it's a little intimidating <laughs> for
1: some people. So, well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
3: Yeah, absolutely, thank you, Kimberly. Appreciate
1: thank it. Thank you both.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts, and follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com/slash/BizTalks.